Welcome to River Life Podcasts. We're a church family embracing the Father's presence, releasing empowered people to declare and demonstrate Christ's kingdom. We trust that God would use what you hear today to bless and grow you so that you would be a blessing to those around you. For more information about River Life Baptist Church, go to riverlifechurch.org.au or find us on social media. Well, we have been uh, into uh, a series of the book of Philippians called Live This Way, and uh, today we are into the last chapter of Philippians, chapter 4, and this is the last message of this series between before we switch gear and, and change up a little, uh, and go heading into next week and beyond. And uh, it's been a wonderful time of us looking at how Paul, regardless of the circumstances, not just in his own life, but in the life of those in whom he's writing to in the church of Philippi says, I need you to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. He is the one. And I call you to remind yourselves about the joy that we find in living the life we have in Christ. And he calls for them to be unified. He calls for them to be together and to stop and to rejoice and live this joyful life in Christ, regardless of the pressing circumstances that are around them. In fact, in part of this last chapter, we start with where we finished in the first chapter, uh, reminding uh, a couple of people who he calls out by name to stand firm in the Lord, to be in the same mind of Christ, same kind of familiar language that we ended chapter one with. And here is Paul pleading with his brothers and sisters in Christ. And again, we hear him compelling them through this relationship of great love and care that he as an apostle has for the church in which he planted and started. And he encourages them to keep the unity of their faith. Keep the unity of their faith by focusing in the joy of their salvation in Christ. And he uses this passage to to wrap up before imparting to them some final words, some final encouragement that you hear echoed all the way throughout the book. And it says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And he makes it sound so easy. Just rejoice. That's all you need to do. Just just rejoice. There was a hit song that came out years ago. said, don't worry, be happy. This is not what Paul's saying. This is saying, I need you to rejoice, but you need to have your your joy firmly planted and founded in the Lord. This is where we find our way, regardless of circumstance, to keep our eyes fixed on the one who can bring us the joy into our life. I don't know about you, though, but are you feeling maybe even just a little bit anxious here this morning? Through the week, did you, did you come across any stress points in the week? Was there anything that stirred up within you that might even just be lingering there right now as a, as a means of anxiety? Our health industries would say and to tell us that stress-related illness is on the increase. Apparently, the top seven stresses in life are these. Here's the top three biggies. The first one is your job. The second one is money. The third is health. They're the three big stresses in life. Then it's relationships. It's a poor diet. It's a media overload, a lack of sleep, and certainly last but not least being a Wallaby supporter. (laughs) 
I added that one in. That's really not on the list, but it should be. I can't see us getting out of this hole for 10 years. But we seem to live in a world that's kind of accepted that you can just be stressed out all the time. Have you noticed when you engage people and say, hi, how are you? They say, oh, I'm pretty busy. I'm stressed. We've come to understand that life at the pace that we run it at, with everything that was supposed to slow life down, with everything that was supposed to give us more time off to actually enjoy a longer weekend, has just kind of amalgamated into a busier, more stressful kind of lifestyle. Not to say that this should be normal, but the, the flip side or the worst side of it is that it become, become a, a debilitating, crippling result of life stunted by mental health like anxiety and depression. Did you know that anxiety is the most common mental health condition in Australia? On average, one in four people, one in three women and one in five men will experience anxiety at some stage in their life. In a 12-month period, more than two and a half million Australians experience anxiety, not just feeling stressed out, diagnosed anxiety. And they're the ones who are just diagnosed. Two and a half million. And over two million reported mood disorders, including things like depression. Now, I'm not certainly minimizing what seems to be an endemic illness, but if there were that many cases of measles, we would be looking at what we need to change in society. I know that measles is a communicable disease, but perhaps there's something in the way in which we've started to look at life. There's a lens in which now we look at life, which is a wrong lens that is perhaps just as infectious to our mental health as coughing is to measles. I wonder if the world is so stressed out because we have lifted our focus away from how God intended us to see things. Paul, in this last chapter, in writing to the church in Philippi, gives some advice on how to overcome worry and anxiety. Worry is like a thief in the night that steals your spiritual peace. And here, He's giving them this advice. And remember, this is a, a guy who, who, who has suffered incredibly for the advancement of the gospel. He's writing this letter from prison. He says in verse 11 of chapter 4, I've learned what it is to be content no matter what the circumstance. So he's got some street cred when he writes this stuff. This is not a guy who's had an easy life all his life and kind of has never suffered a day in his life of potential anxiety or depression or sadness or worry or concern. This is a guy who's got a lot of street cred on this topic. And he says, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what's bringing your anxiety levels up, here's Paul's tips about how not to worry about that. This is like biblical Cognitive behavioral therapy. Comes with stress management guarantee. And it's not a guarantee from a doctor. It's a guarantee from God himself. He says, if you do these things, you'll experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than any human mind can understand. But you must do these things. Wouldn't you like that? Anyone 
hopeful for a guarantee of peace, <laughs> regardless of anxious situations of life. Let's read the passage. Philippians chapter 4, 4 to 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Let's just stop for a moment and pray because I can almost feel it in the room. I've been praying into this for the last six days that God will miraculously break off anxiety and depression. And I can almost palpably feel some people sitting there as the enemy has a last ditch attack to say, it's not going to work. That's a lie from the pit of hell. It's a lie from the pit of hell. This is not me giving my best words of encouragement to you. This is the very power of God through the word of God directly into our lives by his spirit. Let's pray. Let's pray. Come on. Come on. Uh, spirit of anxiety and depression. Get your filthy hands off. You are not welcome in this room or any life within this room. We banish you right now in the name of Jesus. And we now, God, come and ask that the truth would be revealed. The spirit of truth from the presence of the throne room of heaven now would come and minister peace, would come and allow truth to settle and anxious thoughts would be dispelled by the peace that you give. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's, let's land the truth. All right, good stuff. Come on. Here it is. Paul wants us to know in these few verses that we're looking at today that we are to worry about nothing. We are to pray about everything. Thank God in all things and think on good things. So that's what we're going to cover. Worry about nothing. Refuse to worry about anything. This is what Paul is saying. Why? Because the number one source of stress is in your life is actually not work. It's actually not money. It's actually not that list that I read out before. The number one source, uh, work, you know, work may keep you up at night actually doing something, but it's your worrying about work itself rather than work. Most of us, we're over-worried. And God's very clear here that he thinks what he thinks about worry. He says in verse 6, do not be anxious about anything. Here's the question, any wriggle room? Is there any wriggle room with that verse? Can you, can you worry about some things and not other things? Are you allowed to worry about the big things? 
You know, sickness, illness, health, diagnosed, cancer. Are you allowed to worry about those things? He says, no, do not worry about anything. It's all off. No circumstance, nothing. And this is a massive blanket statement, isn't it? And Jesus thought worry was such an important topic. He spent a great a part of the, that, that wonderful Sermon on the Mount talking about this. And if you, you get into Matthew chapter 6, he starts to teach into this aspect of worry because he knew that it would be something that we're going to battle with. And he doesn't want us to. In Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25, Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, about, what your, about your body, or what you will wear. Is not life more important than food? And the body, more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store in barns, and your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And Jesus is saying, worry is unreasonable. It actually doesn't make a great deal of sense. He's saying it's not logical. You've got your priorities out of order. It doesn't make sense because worry actually exaggerates a problem. Have you noticed that worry just makes something bigger? When you're anxious about something, it just makes it bigger. It makes the, the problem, the, the thing that is there that you started to worry about a whole lot bigger the more and more you think on how bad that is. Have you noticed that? It grows a problem out of proportion. Not only does worry exaggerate the problem, it doesn't work. It never has worked. It's worthless. It doesn't make any difference to your life. To worry about something you can't change is useless. And to worry about something you can change is kind of stupid. Either case, worry is not the answer. Worry doesn't work. It's unreasonable. Jesus says that not only is it unreasonable, it's not natural. He starts to use an example out of nature. Did you know that we are the only creatures in his creation that worry? The others, they, they all, through the natural order of how they're made, realize where, where stuff's coming from. I've got to go look for it, maybe. I'll have to take down something to eat, whatever it might be. But, you know, I don't so much worry about it. We're the ones who worry about it. You weren't born a worrier. Did you know that? None of you were born warriors. It's a learnt thing, so it can be unlearnt. But if you've learnt to worry, many of you have become professionals. You're professional warriors because, no, you, you've heard the adage, you know, if you practice something, you'll get better at it. And so you just kept practicing how you would worry about something, and lo and behold, you've become very good at it. But... Jesus is saying to us here, worry is unnatural. He says, look at the birds of the air. <laughs> they don't sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you, are you not much more valuable than they are? He's saying all of this, we're the only thing that doesn't choose to trust him. God says you're valuable. He sees you as more valuable 
than these things and he takes care of them. And he's saying to you, in other words, don't you trust me to take care of you? Don't you trust me to take care of you? Am I or am I not good? Am I or am I not loving? Do I not see you in your moment of need? Will you but turn to me and trust me? And in verse 34, a little bit later on in that passage, we read of Jesus saying this, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. He's saying worry is actually pretty unhelpful. He's not saying here that there won't be troubles in life. In fact, he's kind of saying, hey, look, there's going to be things to trouble. Just don't worry about them. There's the difference, right? There's going to be things that will take you by surprise. There's going to be things that are shocking to you. There's going to be things in your life that are are difficult, but don't worry about them. He's telling us how to handle them. Proverbs 12, 25 says, anxiety weighs down the heart. You feel like you're just weighed down. The word worry actually comes from an English word which means to strangle or to choke. That's where our word worry comes from. To strangle or to choke. Do you feel like when you're suffering from anxiety that you're, you're strangling? Some people actually get that breathlessness. You know, they find it hard to breathe. Their heart rate races and, and all of a sudden there's a, a physiological uh, uh, factor going on with what's happening in the mind as they worry. And it's almost choking the life out of them. The thing is that worry, worry just makes you miserable. It's never been helpful. It's never solved a problem. And yet we turn to it like it is. Jesus is saying it's unhelpful. And lastly, he says it's unnecessary. Verse 30 of this passage in Matthew chapter 6, he says, If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? See, worry becomes a choice. We don't have to worry. In fact, the reason you don't have to worry is because you have a faithful and good God who is looking after you. But we're going to have to let him. The choice is to allow God to take the concern, to allow him to take what's building the worry. So the first step in stress management is to refuse to worry about anything. Easy for me to say. Just don't worry about it. And you're thinking, yeah, right, you have no idea what I'm going through. You have no idea how hard this is. Here's the next step, which maybe helps to start to apply it rather than just saying, don't worry. And Jesus, uh, God builds his word into our lives in this passage back in Philippians, where Paul then says out of verse 6, which says, don't worry about anything. And then he says, here's the next part. Instead, Pray about everything. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. In 1 Peter 5, 7, it says, cast all your anxiety on him because what? He cares for you. He actually cares for you. This is why you can give him your anxiety. Now, when it says cast your anxiety on him, don't think any fisherman here, I know Pastor Eric's a fisherman. This is not like I'm casting a fishing line so I can just reel it back in. 
Okay? Many of us, with our worry, we, we throw it out like it's a casting fishing line, and, and when we get worried, we just zoom it back in, just reel it back in. I'll, I'll take control of that thing. Thank you very much. And we bring it back in. He's talking more like cast a stone, throw it out there, get rid of it, don't hold on to it. In another version, in that word, it says to us, there, unload your worries on God. So I've got some guys going to come and help me for a little bit. Unload your worries on God. Don't hold on to these things, but unload them. Okay, fellas, bring that out. That looks nice and light. Pastor Nick, can I get you to help me? That'd be great. Tom, thank you. Um, so we've got some shot bags in here that... As you can see, I'm watching my toes. Well, you're in, you're in danger. Okay, here, this is yours, okay? I'd take a better grip than that. But, but, but Pastor Nick was actually doing Spartan the other week, so, you know, uh, I don't know if he did it, but he has done it before. But uh, anyway, you're feeling okay holding it like that? Because tell me, um, what are some of the things you have as cares in your life, concerns, anxieties? Uh, what people think. What people think. Okay, let's put that one in there. What people think. Okay. All right. So, um, so what else? What people think. Give me another one. Uh, provision. Provision. Money. We'll do that. Just built your own house. You know what that's like. Uh, what else? Um, health. Health. All right. Yeah, we'll put that in there as well. How are you going? You feeling okay? Your knuckles have gone white. Yeah, you're still? Right. You're all right? Okay. Um, what else? Tell me something else. They said there's seven top things that cause stress. Anything yeah. else for you? N you? Not your boss. Your job is perfect. <laughs> yeah? Uh-huh. Yeah, I guess a family. Family, relationships and family and that sort of stuff. So we'll put that one in there as well. So um, now he's, he's probably carrying about his body weight in there. Um, so uh, we could get you to do some runs either around the auditorium or up and down the steps. But, you know, the Bible here says unload it. Unload it. But it's like we're walking around with this thing that's going to weigh us down the whole time and it gets kind of heavy. And the more I talk, the heavier it gets. Yeah. And so you just feel like, you know, we carry through life these anxieties, these worries and these concerns that just tend to keep weighing us down the whole time. And the Bible just quite clearly says, would you put it down? Put it down. Put it down. Put it down. Yes. Put it down. Thank you. you. Yeah, it's good. You don't have to carry it anymore. Put it down. Cast your anxieties on him. Unload your anxiety onto him. And instead of carrying it, pray. Pray. Stop talking to yourself about all the stuff that's stressing you out and start talking to God about it. Worry is a conversation you have with yourself about things you cannot change. Worry is a conversation you have with yourself about things you cannot change. Prayer is a conversation you have with God who can make things change. There's the difference. Pop it down, put it down, don't carry it around, and instead pray about it. Okay, pray about it. Worry about nothing, pray about everything. That's what it's telling us. And if we prayed as much as we worried, we would have a whole lot less to worry about. And by the way, God's promised to care for you. God knows what you need. It's not our job to figure out how God's going to do it. How many of us get into that space? Oh, yes, God, I know. And I've got some tips on how you could do that because I've already worked out how I'd do it. 
What does that sound like? I'm trying to be God at that moment. I've got some tips on how you can do it. He's far greater. He's far better. We don't need to worry about how he's going to do it. Instead, instead of your worry, ask. Ask him. Some of us are acting like, like Christian atheists. That kind of doesn't make sense, does it? It's almost like we're not actually believing in a father who's good. We're not believing in an all-powerful God. We're not believing in someone who can actually take the concerns that we want to carry around with us. And so instead of, of, of unloading it so that we can pray, and that's how you unload it. You pray about it. That's the unloading. As you pray, you're unloading. And some of us don't. We keep carrying it around because we just want to hang on to it because we're not trusting him. He says, you have little faith. God says, I'll care for you. James chapter 4, verse 2 says, You do not have because you do not ask. Worry less, ask some more. Instead of worrying, pray. Worry about nothing, pray about everything. You say, I don't want to bother God with something so little. Ever said that? I don't want to bother God. Look at all the people who need help more than me. I don't want to bother God about something so little. Let me give you a little perspective on God. Every problem in your life is tiny to God. It doesn't matter what it is, it's tiny to Him. You're not bothering Him. He does not have, and I've said this before, short arms and long pockets. It's not like He's got to the bottom of His barrel and goes, oh, I've got nothing left to help you. It's only little, you take care of it. Because often it's the little things that worry us the most. And he's saying, unload it, pray to me about it, bring it before me. In Romans chapter 8, verse 32, he said, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, give us all things? What's Paul, the author, saying here in this other passage in Romans? Follow the logic. Your biggest problem is relating to a holy God. Your biggest problem in life is being able to have intimate relationship with a set-apart holy God. That's, that's everyone's biggest problem. He came to earth, though, to fix that. In human form, he came and he said, I'll live a perfect life and I'll die for you and you can then have a reconciled life with God, the Father, and live forever in intimate relationship with him. It's by grace. You don't earn it. There's nothing you can do. And if we don't, we certainly do not deserve it. We cannot buy it. It's grace and grace alone. And as we exercise this faith, in the one who did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us, would you not think he'd be able to meet every other need? If God solved your biggest problem, everything else is small in comparison. If God loved you enough to die for your sins, don't you think he loves you enough to help you with your finances? Don't you think he loves you enough to help you with your health? Don't you think he loves you enough to help you in your relationships, your career decisions? Go on, whatever the worry or concern is. And there's no area in your life that God is not interested in. The Bible says that he has the hairs on your head numbered. Now, I'm looking around, and for some, that's an easy job. I reckon I could do it for some of you. 
But for others, he knows, I don't know how many I've got up here. He does. He knows exactly how many. That's how much he cares for us. It's a, it's a, a way of saying, a way of showing and saying, this is how much I, I love you. This is how much I know. So one of the worst things you can say to God is, I'll handle this. I'll handle it. I got it, God, it's okay. You may as well just be picking up your basket and popping one in. That's, when you're handling it, that's what you're doing. Worry about nothing, pray about everything, and thank God in all things. Thank God in all things, because there's a lot of things that we should be thankful for. There's also a lot of things that we shouldn't be thankful to God for. Okay, let's not lump everything that happens in life as it was God. Yes, he's sovereign. That doesn't mean he's the author of and the creator of everything that is evil and bad in this world, right? There is an enemy. So we don't thank God for all things. There's a lot we can be thankful for, but we don't thank him for. We thank him through all things, in all things. In other words, we keep our focus and our attention on he who is greater than the circumstance or the thing that I face in my life. Even in the bad times, I can find something good to thank God for. Philippians 4 verse 6, do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication. It says in the ESV version, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God with thanksgiving. You can't be happy and ungrateful at the same time. Happy people are grateful people. Unhappy people are ungrateful people. The more you build gratitude in your life, the happier and the healthier you're actually going to be. It says when you ask for God, just don't, uh, just don't ask, but thank him. Always ask with a thankful heart. I can always find something to be thankful to God for. First Thessalonians 5 verse 18 says, Give thanks to God in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's actually his will that you are grateful, thankful. And then he says this. Think about good things. We get to the Philippians 4 and verse 6 and And at the end of theirs, he starts with the word finally in verse 8. Finally. Finally, brothers and sisters. When the author's saying, hey, finally, he he really wants to bring attention. He just wants to bring focus right at this point. Don't miss this, he says. And this is extremely important because the stress in your life is a battle going on between your ears. That's where it's happening. And he says, I want you to think about good things. Think about good things. The stress is in our thought life. Your war with stress is won or lost in your mind. And what you fill your mind with will determine the level of stress in your life. If you want peace of mind, you're going to have to start controlling what you allow in here. We become transformed, the Bible says, by the renewing of our minds. Keep a filter on what's going in. Philippians 4 verse 8, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, 
Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, these are the things Paul says I want you to think on. It's like an eight-point spiritual checklist for your mind. If I find I'm worrying about something, don't worry about it. Lay it down by giving it up in prayer. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. And then, he says, start to think on everything that's good and use this checklist to filter out stuff that's not. This is a picture of God. Whatever is admirable, whatever is lovely, whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is right, whatever is good, that's a beautiful picture of the Lord. And what Paul is saying is align your thinking with the right kingdom. Here's what Paul says in Romans 8 about the mind and the alignment of your mind with the right kingdom. He says in Romans 8 verse 6, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Life and peace. If you came in here worrying, I hope you leave with life and peace. And the way you do that is to stop worrying, unload through praying about everything, and now think on him. Realign your thoughts to his thoughts. Realign your vision to him. Isaiah 26 verse 3 says, you will keep in perfect peace with all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. This is God talking about himself. When our thoughts are fixed on him, he will keep us in perfect peace. Wow. What you think about is going to determine how stressed and how worried you are. And he says after these four stages, which are, by the way, easy to explain, I know, hard to do, yes. But if the reward is peace, instead of concern, instead of anxiety, instead of worry, instead of depression, don't you think that would be worth a try? If you've been stressing out and you've tried all these other things and nothing's working, try this. Try this. Because he says, here's the reward. The reward is amazing. Listen to verse 7. It says, The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Verse 9. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. You know, so often we want an answer to our prayers and God says, yep, it's peace. But I want the answer. Where's the money coming from? He says, peace. Where's my health going to come right? Peace. What he gives us is peace. That's the answer. If you've got peace, you can go through anything. If you've got peace, you can face all the rest of the trials. He's interesting in, interested in answering the rest of that. He is the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. To him, it's no problem to sort your finances. To him, it's no problem to sort out your relationships. He's the God who made us and knows how we best work together. All of those things, he knows all those things. They're not a problem for any of those things. But he says it starts with peace because when you've got peace in your heart, you can walk through any situation. The answer is peace. 
And peace can be ours when we walk in the Holy Spirit by the assistance of putting these things into practice. When I allow the focus of my thinking to be on God and godly spirit-filled things, then the spirit has access to dwell in me and the peace is mine. This is life with Christ. It's not about religion, it's about relationship. That's why when I talk to my good friend Lindsay who's struggling with this cancer, I just hate, I hate cancer, I hate it. I've seen it take too many people's lives, I hate it. He's got peace with God. He doesn't like it. Got a new haircut and everything. Doesn't like it. Doesn't like what's, what could be. But he's got peace which allows him to journey through it, regardless of what that end looks like. That's life with Christ. That's relationship. That's built on years and years of intimacy and love and shared with Christ, allowing him to take control. Do you know that God has never made a person he didn't love? God has never made a person he didn't die for. God has never made a person he doesn't have a purpose for. And he says, if you come to me, I'll help you. I want to close with this verse out of Job. Job 22, 21, it says, Obey God and be at peace with him. This is the way to happiness. Sometimes the reason we're not at peace is because we're at war with God. Until you make your peace with God... And that's what, that's what the Bible said Jesus did. That's what we celebrate during communion. We make peace with God. To be able to make peace with us. When you make peace with God, then you let the peace of God fill you. You cannot have the peace of God without peace with God. Do you need to reconcile? Do you need to just come back? Do you need to make peace? Unload. Think on him. Allow him, regardless of the circumstance, to be able to refilter and renew the way you're thinking so that you would enjoy the reward of his peace. Let's pray. I'm going to give you just a few moments of quietness and silence. For you to be able to just come to the Lord. If it helps, picture that basket with those weights in it. And everything that's been worrying you. The choice now is yours to let him have it. And not hold on to it. For you to be able to unload, to not worry about anything, but we're going to now pray about everything. Why don't you just put a, a name to it? Whatever the worry, whatever the anxiety, might have a person's name attached to it, might be a material thing. 
And so God, we, we stop right now and we say thank you. Thank you. Thank you that you've not left us alone. Thank you that you are intimately involved. Thank you that you are all powerful. Thank you that you are so loving and gracious and kind, that you are interested in the small and the large. And as we not worry about anything, but pray about everything, as in thanksgiving, we now bring these things back to you. We thank you that you're a God who not only can do something about it, you will and you want it. And we praise you and we give thanks. And now we ask Holy Spirit, infill, infill everything, evil thought that's choked, the worry that's choked the very life out of us. Now come and let our minds be filled with you. Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is good, whatever is admirable, we want to choose to start thinking on those things, those things that are in you. And we ask now, God, that you would fill us with your peace. Fill us, God, with the peace of your spirit. An unreasonable, wonderful, all-fulfilling peace. Thank you. Thank you, God. And I want to pray specifically those for now who need to make peace with God to receive the peace of God. And it's as simple as recognizing that you've been hanging on. And it's not just worry. When we want to hang on to everything and we know best and we don't want to hand it over, what we're saying is we believe that we can be God in our own lives. And this morning might be a morning where for the very first time you, you want to say, God, I'm sick of trying to run my own life. I hand it over to you. I make peace with you. Thank you that you sent your son, Jesus, to come and die on my behalf, to pay the penalty that I deserve, to set me free, to live a life in you, a life that would represent you. Forgive me. Come fill me with your Holy Spirit's presence. I might live a life that glorifies you in all I do. I pray this in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this River Life podcast. Make sure you subscribe to keep up to date with all the latest content. If this podcast has raised any questions for you, contact us via church at riverlifechurch.org.au or through Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening.